Please take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter 1, Mark's Gospel, chapter 1. If we observe closely, we will find that there is great spiritual truth in the everyday occurrences of our lives. Let me say that a different way. If we'll pay attention as we go through life, we will find spiritual truth waiting to be discovered for us. This came to light for me a number of years ago now. I was a youth minister in Hobbs, New Mexico. I was taking a group of junior high middle school students to camp at Civil's Baptist Encampment, which is up in Cloudcroft, as most, most of you know. And uh, let me just run that back slower for you to let you know what I was facing. I was taking a group of middle school students to camp. And so I was charged with keeping these students, especially the boys, in line when I went to the cabin that they had assigned to us and discovered that there was no glass in the walls. We were just going to stay in this open-air cabin with canvas to keep the kids in. These were middle school students. So I began to work on how I was going to keep control of these guys, especially during the night. And one of the options they gave us that week was to go on a short backpacking trip. And so one of the leaders of the camp that week was going to take those of us who wanted to, including kids, and go back up into the backcountry a little bit. Not much of a trip, but it was at least away, and it was out where I knew those boys would be scared enough to maintain a little bit of order. And so we walked our way back up, away from the camp and out into the woods. And as we were walking, I I noticed something I hadn't seen before. I'd been backpacking before, but I hadn't seen the phenomenon that was in front of me that day. Everywhere I looked, I noticed that there were trees that were two-toned green. Now, not every tree was like that. I come to find out later that the ones that were not Uh, two-toned green had something wrong with them. They were diseased or at the end of their age span and uh, they weren't growing anymore because as about the time I was noticing the the tips of those pine trees, the needles on the tips were were a bright green and the rest of it was a darker green. Uh, The director, the guy who was directing the whole backpacking trip stopped and he gathered the kids around and he began to tell us that That was those two-toned leaves, if you will, pine needles, were the result of growth. They were, it was the new growth on those pine trees. And I want to use that as a bit of a parable for us today as it relates to our own spiritual process, our own spiritual growth, our own spiritual formation. As I said, if we observe closely, we can find great spiritual truth in the everyday parts of our lives. And here's the corollary that goes with that. Just like we can see a tree that is growing by the color of the ends of the needles, people can see whether we're growing or not in Christ in the way they observe how we live. Today is the last of our First Things series. It is a series I could never preach again here because it has been the first series, the first things. And as I have tried to work through these last number of weeks, I've just started my second month here. Some of you think it's been forever that I've been here, it seems. But uh, 
We've tried to begin the process here by laying out some foundation stones that will guide us into the days, weeks, months, and I trust years ahead. Foundation stones upon which we build the ministries of this church, the the reach of this church, the continued reach of this church into this area and beyond. So I've highlighted certain truths that I think must drive us. And today we come to this one of being in process. Join me in Mark's gospel, the first chapter. And, and actually, this is one of those sermons that I'm, I'm taking the entire gospel of Mark as my text today. But because I know you don't want to be here that long, I'm going to whittle it down to just a handful of verses. But there's sufficient work in this for us today, I think, to underscore the point that we need to get across as one of the first things. And that is that we all, as Christian people, must always be in process. In the process and making progress in our spiritual formation. Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 16, helps us as we begin to wade into this truth. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. And we begin in this first calling of the first disciples. We begin to see this, this subplot in Mark's gospel as it begins to come to the surface, and that is that these disciples, these regular men who would be followers of Jesus, are called into process. I'll explain that a little more as we go, but let me start off by just trying to underscore that being in process is very much a part of our everyday lives. We find that with babies. My daughter and son-in-law and grandson have been with us this week. I'll talk about them in a little bit more but in a moment, but uh, our grandson's here. He's two years old. And I've been reminded this week of some of those early days. He was a premature birth. We've talked about that before. And uh, so I've gone back through and I've remembered some of the process of his early life. You, You remember how it is with babies? When we make a big deal, when a baby rolls over from his back to his stomach or from his stomach to his back, I, that never, I never really understood why that was a big deal. I, I do that all the time. You do too. It doesn't seem like it's that much effort, really. But for a baby, the first time they do that, for some reason, we think it's a big deal. But we think it's a bigger deal when that baby takes its first step. Remember that process of development and, you know, that first wobbly step where he he takes a step and then we all clap and applaud and scream and holler and he falls down because of what we've done to him. And we mark progress as the baby processes through life until finally gets to the point where that little baby, okay, now this one is significant. When that little baby looks at his granddad for the first time and says, Doc, that's a, that's a big day at our house, big day at our house. 
because it helped me to process the process my grandson was going through as he grew. We celebrate process in our lives. We do that with babies. We also do it with the education process. My daughter and son-in-law are both teachers. Consider the pre-K student whose lesson of the day is we don't bite people. We don't bite people. But that's not the lesson that we want to give our our children as they get into kindergarten and first grade, and so we start teaching them the alphabet, and we sing the alphabet song as a way of reinforcing it for them, and we track their process and their progress as they take those letters that we teach them and ultimately start forming words with them until finally they find themselves graduating from high school and then maybe even college, and we celebrate the process for them. Moving forward in life, process is important. In case you're still not convinced, consider our own career development. There's a reason that we don't take a freshman accounting student in college and make them the chief financial officer of a bank because they don't know the process yet. They haven't worked their way through the process takes me back to this passage, verses 16 and following, where Jesus introduces the process to these four rough-and-tumble fishermen. Simon and Andrew, we, we will know well about how Simon Peter processes life before it's all said and done. A lot of us consider him the big-mouthed disciple, always the one with the ready answer, not always the one with the correct ready answer, but always the one ready to jump in, Simon Peter. We have the Bash brothers, James and John, who Scripture later will refer to as the sons of thunder. That's the original Rotrammel brothers we found. Those are the same two guys who in their own process of following Jesus will come up against the reality of a village that refuses to accept Jesus for who he is and their prayer to Jesus, their response to Jesus is, you just give us the word and we'll call down fire. We'll nuke those villagers because they have rejected who you are. These four regular, ordinary fishermen, Jesus invites into process follow me. It starts simply enough. It starts innocently enough. It doesn't sound like that big a deal. Probably. Uh, Chances are really good that these guys would have known who Jesus was. After all, it's all around the Sea of Galilee, the land of Cana, around Cana and up there. It's really not that big a place. If you've been uh, to Israel and you've toured that area, you realize it's really not that much land space that's up there. Jesus was just one of the guys from down the block, we might say. So clearly they knew who he was, but he comes and he steps into their reality and he invites them in the process when he says to them, follow me. And so now they're faced with this dilemma. What do I do with the invitation? I can stay in my father's boat. I can continue what I've been doing, or I can leave it behind and go with this guy, this this guy, this carpenter's son. And so when they step out of the boat and off of the shore, and begin to follow him, the process has begun. Don't miss the fact that Jesus gives them a bit of a hint that this process is going to take them places they hadn't really considered when he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. 
It's a strange, we, we know the story. We've read through this, so we, we understand what Jesus means by that. But if you put yourself in the boat with those guys and you're the one he's calling and he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, that sounds weird. And yet they respond and they follow. Process is part of everyday life. But before we move to the next thing I want you to get today, let's make sure that we wear this truth well. After all, I've spent quite a bit of time here already underscoring the obvious. Processes are so much a part of our lives that we don't really think too much about it, especially in our spiritual growth and development. Because we're no different than these fishermen. When Jesus issues the call to us that says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, that's not just an invitation to comfort. That's an invitation in the process. And Jesus says to us, just like he said to those disciples, come to me, and I will make you to become something that you are not now. These disciples so well have gone into process with him that by the time we get through the end of Mark's gospel and, in fact, into the book of Acts, we will find that three of these disciples are the ones who stand in front of the very people who put Jesus to death, and they shake their finger at those people, essentially, and they say to them, you're the ones who killed the Son of the living God. How do you go from being a guy who works for his dad in a fishing company to being one who treads the halls of power of religion in uh, Israel and accuse the high priest and his lackeys of killing Jesus? And I would say the only answer to that is they went through processing with Jesus and he changed their lives. I think that we have to come back. Remember, this is a first thing. This is one of those foundation stones, one of those building blocks that we must come to agreement about as a church and a pastor that says we recognize that as we go forward, we now and always will be about the process of becoming more like Jesus Christ. There's a reason that Jesus called this disciple, or that we call this discipleship as we follow Jesus. The modern term is spiritual formation. It reeks of process. And so the building block upon which we will found some of what we do and how we do it is that understanding that says we are in process with Jesus. We are always about the process of becoming more like him. I think that really this is one of those things that's hard for many churches, and I'll put this on me and my cohorts as pastors Sometimes we've allowed this whole spiritual formation process to really just kind of come off like it's a class that you can sign up for. And we teach you a little bit more about the Bible, and all of a sudden that comes, you come out of that and you, you, you look a little bit more like Jesus. And that's just not how it works. If it was only a matter of a class, Jesus would have taken the clipboard and a charcoal pen to these guys in the boat and said, Hey, sign up for the class, and I'll see you Tuesday when we meet. He didn't say that. He said, follow me. Come do life with me. Come walk with me, and I will show you things 
I know that he doesn't say that in so many words, but he really kind of does. If we follow along in Mark's gospel here all the way through to chapter 4, where I'm going to end up here in just a few minutes, we will see that Jesus said to them, follow me. And as they followed him, they saw things that absolutely changed their lives. So process is part of everyday life. And if we go through the process, we, like those disciples, will become like the ends of those pine trees that I talked about earlier. And those people that are around us in life will begin to be able to measure the growth by the way we look. But here's one of the disturbing truths of this. You can't jump levels. Let me use my daughter and son-in-law and grandson as an example. Today, matter of fact, in just an hour or so, they're going to leave out and start their journey back to Conroe. They're here largely because of the flooding that occurred in the Houston area. And uh, they came to God's country and found it well. But they're going to the other side of the state. You don't just leave the city limits of El Paso all of a sudden to materialize somewhere in the city limits of Conroe, Texas. It doesn't work that way. You have to make steps, and there's, there's waypoints along the way. And so today, they'll go to Odessa, where they'll see Lauren's granddad, uh, grandmother, who will f- meet her great-grandson for the first time. And they'll spend a little time. But you know as well as I do, the road between here and Odessa is gorgeous scenery. And there are potholes along the way. And so they'll see all of that. And then tomorrow morning when they get up and leave Odessa, they'll head towards Brownwood. And you know as well as I do that there's gorgeous scenery along the way and potholes along the way. And they'll leave Brownwood and they'll go to Waco where they'll see more scenery and more potholes and from Waco to Conroe and they'll see more scenery and more potholes and the point of it is you can't get to the end unless you go through the steps. And the same is true for us in our Christian lives. We must be in process, but we have to work through the level that we're currently in in order to be ready for the next one. By the way, one of the reasons that some of us fight the same battle year after year after year is because we're not quite learning the lessons of that level. You can't jump two or three levels ahead. You have to work through where you are. So Jesus takes these guys and he begins to work them through the process. Look at verses, well, I already talked about 16 through 20. So verse 21, and they went into Capernaum. Okay, this is after they're following him. And they went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. So now these fishermen who are would-be followers of Jesus, make their way into the synagogue. Jesus starts teaching, and they're sitting at the back going, Shazam, listen to this guy. And so they just go a little more, another step. By the time they get through following Jesus, and Jesus is killed on a cross and resurrected and ascends back to heaven, these guys will have heard incredible teaching from Jesus. 
Next week, we'll start our new series, and we're going to dive into some of that teaching as we look through the Sermon on the Mount and what Jesus says, here's what it looks like to be one of my disciples. So these disciples, they begin to hear what Jesus has to say, and it blows their minds and begins to transform them. So here's a good truth for you. Jesus always meets you where you are, but he's never content to leave you there. He will meet you where you are. He went to the sea, to those boats where those guys were, but he was not willing to let them stay in the boat. He said, you got to come with me, and they went to church. (laughs) But not only that, we can go a little bit further, verses 23 and following. And immediately, let me just stop and say, immediately is one of those words in Mark's gospel that is bait. Mark invites us into the story of Jesus by dangling the bait of the word immediately. And he uses it all through his gospel. And he throws out, and immediately Jesus did this. And in the process of that, immediately he does this. And Mark just strings us along through the story of Jesus as Jesus is on the move, on the move, always on the move, making disciples, taking his disciples somewhere. Verse 23 again, and immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Nazareth, Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him, and they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this? new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. In short order, Jesus has taken four fishermen and exposed them to the divine, and it changes them. Jesus always meets us where we are. He's never content to leave us there. And I trust as we together go through the years ahead that we will see glimpses of the divine as Jesus takes us through the process of being his disciples. This is incredible stuff, really. Remember, the point is you can't jump steps. You can't be in this level and suddenly be three steps ahead. That's why we don't teach third graders how to read Dostoevsky and Shakespeare. They're just not up to it yet. There are lessons for us in the now that prepare us for the later. And Jesus takes us. And in this case, he takes us to chapter 4. And I'm not going to walk through the rest of that. I'm going to bring this to a close. But we cannot miss, really, this is the text for the day. All of that was introduction. Let's get to the text. In chapter 4, Verses 35 through 41, I should tell you before we begin that this closes out the first section of Mark's gospel. It's written as a section, and we find this move of the disciples until we find them making all this progress, and they see him, or they hear him teach, and who is this guy? And then then they see him cast out demons. They go, wow, who is this guy? And so we come to chapter 4. We begin reading in verse 35. And on that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him. 
And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. You ever feel like Jesus is sleeping through your crisis? And they woke him, and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Let's not miss this. These guys saying this include those fishermen, those professional fishermen who knew storms on the Sea of Galilee, who were at home in a boat, and it's bad enough that they're freaking out. Jesus is asleep. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. Literally, be muzzled. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Great story, right? Hello? Great story, right? Okay. Always good to know you're still with me. It's a great story. But it's not just a story for us to feel good about. Because the next verse lets us see that this was graduation day for those disciples. They'd seen a lot. They'd heard a lot by now. You go read the first four chapters of Mark's gospel, you'll know that's true. They'd seen a lot, heard a lot. And it's graduation day because Jesus says to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? I have to be honest with you, my first response to that would have been, hello, did you not know that it was storming out here? Of course Jesus knew that it was storming out there. Jesus meets you where you are, but he's never content to leave you there. And there is a graduation day at some point for the level at which you are. And if you don't pass that test, you get to repeat the grade. Have you no faith, Jesus said. But look at their response. Again, the subplot of Mark's gospel is the question that is placed on multiple people's lips. Who is this guy? Verse 41, and they were filled with great fear, and they said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? They were in process, but they hadn't made a whole lot of progress, and so Jesus allows them a situation that forces the issue once again. Who is this guy? It's the question that reaches across the ages for us. It's a question we have to answer. Who is Jesus in your life? Maybe you don't even know who he is at all. Well, there's your answer. I don't know who he is. Well, do you at least care enough to want to know who he is? Because I'll promise you, he will change your life. He'll give you a life that you can't even imagine is possible. Well, you'll still have to go through the storms, but you don't have to go through them alone. Most of us know Jesus Christ, and we've been his followers for a long time How's it going for you? Are you making progress in your spiritual life? A number of years ago, I was preaching a sermon not much different than this one. It was different, but it wasn't much different. And I got to this point in the sermon, and I had intended to ask the question, how long has it been since God took you to a new level? And so I asked the question, and it was like time stood still for me, and the Holy Spirit just hammered me and said, Mark, that question is not for those people. That question is for you. As the preacher, as the pastor, how long has it been since I took you to a new level? I have to tell you, within two weeks, my life was totally different after that 
because of what God was doing with me, taking me to a new level. Who is Jesus to you? You know, when Mark's gospel finishes up, the one who answers that question best of all people is a Roman centurion standing at the foot of the cross who looks at Jesus and says, surely this was the Son of God. Do you know Jesus as the Son of God? Or do you just know about him because of what you've heard? Where are you today in the process? Let's pray. And Father, as we pray, we ask you to take these words and move in us, change us accordingly so that we might recognize your voice as it speaks to us today and says, I have a place for you to go, a life for you that you can't even imagine now. Help us to embrace the process. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing during this time of invitation.